Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 488. Today's show is brought to you by Medterra. Our guest today, Dr. Craig Wright, whose most recent book, The Hidden Habits of Genius, is the outgrowth of Dr. Wright's popular Yale University course, Exploring the Nature of Genius. Our conversation today is the culmination of a multi-decade study of geniuses throughout history, including Einstein, Marie Curie, Mozart, Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, Picasso, Ben Franklin, and Lady Gaga among them as well as Dr. Wright's personal observations gleaned from watching geniuses in action at Harvard, Yale, and elsewhere. We'll hear Dr. Wright identify several enablers of genius, and Dr. Wright concludes our conversation with suggestions as to how we can incorporate our own genius into everyday life. In the end, reading this book likely won't make you a genius. It will, however, force you to think about how you lead your life, raise your children, choose the schools they attend, allocate your time and money, vote in democratic elections, and most important, how to be more creative. Unlocking the habits of genius has changed me and my view of the world. Perhaps a careful reading of this book will change you as well. That, of course, is our guest today, Dr. Craig Wright, reading from his new book, The Hidden Habits of Genius, Beyond Talent, IQ, and Grit, Unlocking the Secrets of Greatness. Dr. Craig Wright is a graduate of the Eastman School of Music, holds an MA and a PhD from Harvard, and taught at Yale for 44 years, where, as the Moses Professor of Music Emeritus, he continues to teach the Genius Course online each summer. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Dr. Craig Wright. Dr. Craig Wright, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks very much, Paul, for inviting me. Well, thanks for joining us today. I have your book in my hand right now, and I, t- I got to tell you, I, I really have enjoyed it. The title of the book is The Hidden Habits of Genius. So I want to talk to you about genius today, but let's just start with just a basic kind of overall, you know, as they say, 40,000 foot. What what does it mean to be a genius? Because I've always thought of genius really more about IQ points, but I don't think that's the case anymore, really. And I don't think that's the case of what you're really referring to with the book. Yeah, that's what interesting. First of all, uh, Paul, a, a disclaimer here, truth in advertising. I'm no genius. Uh, when when I, I've got four kids, now seven grandchildren, I, tell the, I told initially the kids I'm writing a book on genius. They say, you, that's that's preposterous. You're no <laughs> genius. You're a plotter. And you're there. They're absolutely right. So I'm I'm no 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 genius here. But one of the things I figured out, and now about 15 years of studying this particular topic, is that uh, the whole notion of IQ, uh, this sudden uh, brilliant calculation that the genius makes, um, perhaps you've seen it on television in Beautiful Mind uh, or in Rain Man, um, where instantaneously the solution is at hand. Well, that's a lot of nonsense. And this whole idea of high IQ being uh, important to genius is a lot of nonsense. What's it mean to be smart? As many of us know, there are many kinds of smarts. If I can go on here just a bit, I was reading something funny the other day. It was in a book by David Rubenstein when he was interviewing Jeff Bezos. And Jeff Bezos said, you know, as I get older and older, I come to see that there are many kinds of smarts in this world. But I also see that there are many kinds of dumb 
<laughs> so, like so I thought that was good. Yeah. But the the essential the essential point here is that what we perceive to be genius, uh, and maybe the marker for it, uh, or uh, the metric for it, as an IQ, high IQ score, is a lot of nonsense. People have done studies on this. Nobel Prize winners, a lot were announced the, the, very recently here. Uh, Nobel Prize winners, they are not in the stratosphere in terms of these uh, standardized test scores. Uh, all you need to get in the game of genius is a solid sort of B plus, A minus, maybe A minus uh, score, 115 to 120, something like that, and standardized IQ test and rest is more or less vanity. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. So I guess the big question is, can I become a genius then? Is it a choice? Is it, is it a skill set? <laughs> yeah, I think it is a skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the geniuses may not be aware of what the skills are in the skill set. They're too busy uh, out there being geniuses to think about what they are doing. They don't, and I've worked with, uh, not only studied, but worked with some geniuses, Nobel Prize winners and things like like that. But I, I've come to see that it's better, uh, you're better off being outside looking in. So can the rest of us get on, on the inside? First of all, let's talk age here. If we have a youngster, I think there are many things that we can do to load the dice in their favor. I think as we get older, granted, it may become more difficult because our options to some extent become uh, more limited. But nonetheless, there's nobody is excluded from this. There's no statute of limitations on genius here. I, I'm fond of thinking, for example, that Vincent van Gogh didn't start to paint with oils until he's 29. Paul Gauguin was a sailor and then a stockbroker until he was 35. Grandma Moses didn't pick up a paintbrush until she was 67. So um, we can all get in the game of genius. But the important point, I think, here is that even though we may not ultimately uh, be out there to change the world, uh, knowing what the, how these geniuses operate in the world is profoundly important because it can really change our thinking about uh, the world and make us more savvy uh, dealing with ourselves, how we behave and how we our psyches are regulated, dealing with other people, dealing with other dealing with external circumstances. So we may not change the world in any uh, momentous way, but we can change our lives in some ways that make the world a lot more pleasant place. Well, let me ask you a question then from the book, because there are some some just some some names in the book that are truly uh, genius level. Uh, you know, Einstein's mentioned mm-hmm. Beethoven, Picasso, Steve Jobs. So, how are geniuses connected through history and and in habits? And maybe maybe tell us some of the character flaws of geniuses, because some of the great minds being great human beings doesn't always go hand in hand, right? So there are two questions there, and Paul, and as I said at the outset, I'm no genius, so you're going to have to remember the second one <laughs> and remind me to come back to that. Um, yeah, so so when you start looking at this, as, as I did over a long period of study and ultimately put it together in this book here, The Hidden Habits of Genius, I started with Mozart because I was trained as a musician, failed mm-hmm. classical pianist. So I went on from Mozart and then I happened to be working in Florence and Milan once and I began to get very interested in the uh, notebooks of Leonardo da Vinci. 
Um, and I began to see similarities. And from there, I said, well, uh, similar genius. So let me read about Einstein. So I have a ton of books now. I don't understand uh, celestial physics at all. But, but, but I have a ton of books about Einstein and about his personality. So gradually, I came to see that there are these kind of common themes or common threads that these people seem to, to have. And I started writing all these down. In this book, I supposedly list 14. Uh, let's go to the big ticket items first. Curiosity. Mm-hmm. You got to learn stuff. You don't necessarily have to be Phi Beta Kappa. You don't have to have a 4.0 grade average. You don't have to go to Harvard, Yale, or whatever. But you don't even have to graduate from college. But and a lot of them didn't. And a lot of them dropped out intentionally because they weren't learning what they were curious about in college. But you have to be curious. You have to read intensely. All of these people, almost to a person, were voracious readers. You have to be able to range widely in your thoughts. See a lot of stuff. Get out there and do a lot of different things. Get a lot of stuff in your head. Be lifetime learners, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, as your, your audience is doing here with your, your podcast, Paul. So that's one thing. Curiosity, imagination. Have a vivid imagination. And we could spend time talking about that. Be rebellious. Uh, don't take, in a sense, no for an answer. Don't necessarily be a conformist. Be, uh, as I like to say, the fox and not the hedgehog. Be a cross-border thinker. Be a person who goes out there and raids from one area of thought to another. That helps you be the Renaissance woman or the Renaissance man. Be prepared to think backwards when trying to work through a solution. Hmm. Make yourself lucky. You know, we talk about, oh, it's the genius is all just luck. No, it's not all luck. They put themselves in a position to be lucky. And then finally, relax uh, to get your thoughts, uh, your creative ideas percolating and bring them to the fore and then concentrate in order to get your creative ideas out the door. So those are those are some of the kinds of things we mm-hmm. could we could talk about the problems of these uh, people mm-hmm. uh, that sort, sort of uh, what would that be pathology. Gosh, mm-hmm. that's a good that's a good that I just thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> Make Great. a note. Write that down. <laughs> Write right. that note down. To self. <laughs> pathology of genius. Mm-hmm. No kidding. That's good. There's hope for all of us. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. We can still have original thoughts because it, it is a pathology. There is a, a destructive, um, uh, there's a kind of psychic mortality that, that develops with this because these people, they are passionate. Yes, you have to have a passion, but it's a thin line between passion and obsession. And when you're obsessive, you're focusing on that one thing and you forget about a lot of other things, i.e. the people all around you. Uh, and these people around you, uh, you ignore them. Uh, they don't matter in, in your life. Uh, Edison, for example, got married to his first wife, uh, who I think was only 16 or 17 at the time. He proposed very brusquely. They got married and he went back uh, later in the afternoon after the ceremony and the, uh, the big lunch and he went back to the lab to work. That's the way some of them behave, and those around them uh, simply are roadkill as their particular freight train uh, races forward to greatness. Uh, They are asked, in effect, to take one for the team. Those people around the genius are asked to take one for the team, the team being the rest of, uh, of, of humanity who benefits from their extraordinary creativity, their extraordinary insights. Hi, it's Paul. We'll be right back with Dr. Craig Wright and the subject of whether you are a genius, a wannabe genius, or simply a curious person. This is an excellent second half of the show. Stay tuned. I have a quick message from our sponsor, Medterra. 
You know, as we talk about health and as we age, this idea of function plays a bigger and bigger role. How do we stay active, vital, functional, mobile, and pain-free or relatively pain-free? I'll tell you how I'm doing that these days. As you all know, I'm an exercise guy, but I also use our sponsor, Medterra's great full line of functional CBD products for rapid relief of occasional pain. Medterra has a new topical pain cream that's great for an active lifestyle or you are recovering from any injury. Medterra sent me some of the pain cream a few weeks ago and both Gretchen and I have been using it for pain relief of the normal aches and pains that come from, well, being 63 as I am. (laughs) It applies easy and smooth and leaves you with a refreshing relief that you can take with you no matter where you go. This is great stuff, the Medterra Pain Cream. It's a combination of CBD, Arnica, menthol, and other natural ingredients. I apply it directly to my knee as well as my lower back, and it works almost instantly, but you can apply it anywhere and everywhere because it lasts for hours. It gives you full relief of pain. Medterra developed this new pain cream with their medical advisors to specifically treat sore muscles and joints, injuries, and inflammation. All Medterra products are third-party tested for quality and purity, and they contain zero THC. Medterra products are legal, and they are not going to get you high. The Medterra pain cream has allowed me and Gretchen to enjoy tennis, walking outside, and our ever active lives, something you aren't able to do with nagging, debilitating pain. We've decided to focus on each other and we spend less time focusing on what hurts. Both Gretchen and I highly recommend Matera products and it's recommended for people just like you in our Not Old Better Show audience who deal with lingering pain or soreness. And now by visiting MedterraCBD.com and entering NOB at checkout, you'll receive 20% off. That's MedterraCBD.com and NOB at checkout for 20% off. We'll have all of this in the show notes. But remember, Medterra CBD and NOB, a perfect combination for best in class pain relief results. Thanks, everybody. Welcome back, everyone. We are with Dr. Craig Wright. We are with Dr. Craig Wright. Dr. Wright is a professor emeritus of music at Yale University. He's also on the faculty there and he teaches the popular class, The Genius Course. Dr. Wright's written the new book, The Hidden Habits of Genius. I have to tell you, Dr. Wright, I thoroughly enjoyed the book. I kind of am a photo guy. I like I like images. I like to see things. And the photos in the book are amazing. They're They're unique. You mentioned Mozart and the image in the book about Mozart's sketchbook stood out to me. It was a melody that he wrote. And so I wonder, could you just take a minute and maybe describe that image and what makes it genius level? Because you talked about this idea of thinking backwards. I seem to recall from the book that he played that backwards against itself. And so I didn't quite understand that, and I tried to go find it to listen to it, but I wondered if you'd tell us a little bit about that image. That's a long, another long question, so I apologize for that. I just re- and I love that image. What you see in that particular page mm-hmm. is an example of Mozart's thinking. Sketches are far more interesting than finished products because sketches 
give you a sense of kind of opening a window on the world of the mind as it creates. And what you see there is Mozart starting to write a fugue. Now, that's very interesting. Fugues are a particular kind of, of musical processes, and they can go back. Those fugal themes are meant to be constructed so they can go backwards, forwards, upside down, maybe backwards and forwards at the same time if you're really clever. It's kind of a mathematical game. Mm-hmm. Okay, mathematical game. That then Mozart, as he's playing this mathematical game in music, begins to write out numbers, and he goes through a whole set of, of number sequences. It's game theory hmm. in numbers. No kidding. I mean, you could look at, if you get the book, you can look at that mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. particular image there, yeah, and you yeah. can see that he's playing with, it just the music gives way to the numbers, and the numbers begin to override the page. Mm-hmm. And that really interested me, because I knew and I read that Albert Einstein's favorite composer was Mozart, and what I didn't know, but I got into intensely by tracking down what Mozart was reading, what Mozart had in his library and what he was reading was a study of mathematics that had been written. It was a kind of standard math textbook, and he bought that and he chewed through it. Uh, and he knew all the stuff in that, that Mozart and, and, and there are other things from the letters talking about Mozart being highly interested in mathematics, even at uh, the age of five and calling himself the friend of the League of Mathematics. So, so this correlation between math and music is very interesting in both Mozart and Einstein. And that's the kind of thing that got me thinking about how the mind works with these great creative figures. The piece is, it's roughly a 20 bar melody. And and so uh, as you look at the image, it, he, he literally numbers it across from one to 10 all the way down through the four. So it's really, it's very number oriented. Right. And it's, and it's got to work in terms of, I mean, you think of music, just not to get sidetracked here, but music used to be one of the sciences. It was along with geometry and mathematics and astronomy. Music was the fourth of the, of the um, quadrivium in the old uh, seven liberal arts. So it, and it's all number based. So, and these intervals, these ratios, these sounds Mm -hmm. have to sound harmonious and to sound harmonious, they have to be set up with different number uh, ratios. And then to set these ratios up so that they can not only go forward and make sense as a melody, but can go the same melody. You can start at the beginning. You can go to the end of it and put that at the beginning and run the end with the beginning. And Mm -hmm. the two can go together so that they um, are uh, uh, they make sense both as melody and as simultaneously as harmony. That's really hard to do. You have it's 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 a real mathematical puzzle, and that's the kind of thing that Mozart was interested in, that Bach was interested in, that Einstein was interested in. I think, though, in a more subliminal sort of way. Doctor Bright, I I'd love to hear that music and play a little bit of that for our audience. Could you recommend something like that to where I can find that particular fugue? Um, yeah, actually, um, this is a section. It's strictly speaking, this one is not a, a fugue. It's mm. a retrograde, which mm. is a kind of fugal technique. So, if those of you that are professional PhD musicologists, uh, <laughs> don't, be, don't be alarmed here. You're in safe hands. Um, but so, this is a piece as you listen to it that will be going backwards and forwards simultaneously. In other words, you have one melody that goes all the way to the end, and then you could play that melody backwards. 
Or you could start at the beginning with your original melody and have the backwards version of it going simultaneously. And if you're really smart like Mozart, it would make a beautiful piece. And I happen to have my 1929 Steinway here, and I'm going to play that for you. And oh. we'll get back together. My gosh. Get back together when we're finished. So this is an encore performance for my friend Paul. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Well, that's excellent. Thank you, Dr. Wright. The book is wonderful, and we're going to put links up to where our audience can find the exact book and uh, more information about Dr. Craig Wright, author of um, this wonderful new book, The Hidden Habits of Genius. Dr. Wright, just one final question for you, because you, you write in the book, and you mentioned this too at the, at the top of our interview, that, that really this isn't a sudden act. Genius doesn't prove to be sudden. And I suppose that's good news for our 55 plus agent. <laughs> so why don't you give us some advice about, um, you know, you mentioned curiosity and kind of this ongoing learning. Maybe give us, give us uh, your advice on the best way to have maybe a brilliant insight into something that we're really giving thought to. The most important thing about being a genius, I think, in addition to curiosity, is having a passion. All of these geniuses obviously were passionate, but as I Continued with this study, I found one very interesting thing having to do with longevity and genius. Okay. You may have heard Groucho Marx. We probably, mm -hmm. in my generation at least, I remember mm -hmm. uh, say, you know, the, the secret word and, and win 50 bucks or whatever it was, <laughs> and a duck would come down. Right. Groucho Marx said, all geniuses die young. Well, Groucho, it turns out, was absolutely wrong. Hmm. All geniuses, or at least if you do a statistical analysis of it, geniuses die old. I worked through all of this as part, it's there in the book, and I don't want to take you through all the numbers now. The takeaway is that they live 10 to 15 years longer than the average member of the population at any, any given time, 10 to 15 years longer. Why? Because these geniuses are passionate and they are optimists. Hmm. Last year, there was a Harvard, BU, Boston University study that said that People who are optimists have an 11 to 15 percent greater longevity than pessimists, mm -hmm. and they have something like a 90 percent greater chance of reaching the age of 85. That's extraordinary. So the takeaway here is if you want to stay in the game to be a genius, get a passion. Mm -hmm. Get a passion. You may or may not make it to being a genius, but it will keep you alive. If I had a tombstone. I'd have this, the following uh, statement of Henry Moore, who was an artist. He was a sculptor, as you probably know. He lived to be 88. And he said the following that has really impressed me, and I think it is true. The most important thing in life, Henry Moore said, is to have a task, a task that you bring everything to every day, every day of, of your, your waking existence. And the only important thing is, the most important thing is, that it is something that you cannot possibly do. Hmm. Wow. And I think he's right. Mm -hmm. It's a conundrum, but I think he's right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In other words, challenge yourself and... Uh, it'll keep you alive. Yeah, it'll keep you alive. Dr. Craig Wright, what a pleasure it's been to speak with you. This is a fascinating book. And, um, you know, as you 
continue to challenge yourself and keep moving forward on all these projects, please keep us in mind. And we'd love to have you back and talk about this because I I know this is going to be very, very interesting to our audience. And uh, it's just been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Wright. Thank you for inviting me, Paul. My thanks to Dr. Craig Wright, author of the new book, The Hidden Habits of Genius, Beyond Talent, IQ, and Grit, Unlocking the Secrets of Greatness. Check out our website for more information about Dr. Wright's new book, as well as other details about Dr. Wright's work. My thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please be safe, everyone. Practice smart social distancing and talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everyone.